0: Hello, I'm Eric Chabro with the Information Security Media Group, and I'm speaking with one of the nation's foremost experts on information security, Purdue University Computer Science Professor Gene Spafford. Dr. Spafford also serves as the Executive Director of Purdue's Center for Education and Research in Information Assurance and Security. He's also testified before Congress on Cybersecurity thanks for taking time to talk uh,
1: thank you glad to be here
0: you seem pleased with the fact that president obama has elevated the importance of cybersecurity in and government but still have expressed some reservations about his plan you said his plan relies on passive defenses what do you mean by passive defenses and why does that trouble you
1: well too much of what is planned is fortifying the existing infrastructure responding to incidents building up further cooperation among parties, very little seems to be directly targeted toward law enforcement, which would be going out and actively trying to uh, seek out some of the perpetrators and and bring them to justice. Very little in there about investigating better designs, better technologies, providing incentives for getting those into environments and providing disincentives for using known vulnerable technologies and, and otherwise being a little bit more proactive about the security.
0: We say be more proactive. Can you give you some more examples?
1: The kinds of things that would be uh, helpful there would be trying to get rid of some of the conflicts, overlaps, and miscommunication among various federal agencies that are present. So rather than simply bringing it to the table to talk about it would be actually trying to set some policy, maybe even get some legislation passed, pushing them to coordinate better on what they're doing, going out and actually working with people in other countries as well, where some of this is an international threat is be a little bit more active in reaching out to their leadership to get involved. There's a whole range of things that could be done that involve more than simply sitting around and talking, which is primarily the role of this new coordinator, it seems, which would be setting new policy, allocating new funds, creating some timelines, incentives, and penalties, and basically trying to move us forward out of where we currently are.
0: You mentioned the cybersecurity coordinator, which is how President Obama referred to his cybersecurity advisor at the White House, and comments I've read of yours seem to suggest that you don't think that he's going far enough with a high enough level advisor. Why isn't a coordinator a good way of going, and, and what should be the responsibilities of that advisor?
1: A coordinator is a good thing to have compared to what we had for. The problem with such a position that reports up through several levels of different organizations before getting to the president, whoever's in that position doesn't have any ability to set policies that are going to be adhered to by executive branch agents. That person doesn't have any budget authority other than what they can persuade OMB or other organizations within the executive office president. But again, it's not directed more persuasive. When this person needs to bring together high-level individuals, either from the private sector, for example, CEOs of companies, or from within government, people such as perhaps secretaries or deputy secretaries of cabinet agents, the person is not at an appropriate level to invite those people as peers to come to a meeting. If anything, meetings organized by that person are likely to draw people further down the chain of command, and as a result, whatever they decide or whatever whatever they discuss is not likely to be as involved. influential or binding as if you actually had the top people present.
0: President Obama's plan does not appear to base operational authority of cybersecurity in the White House, and I suspect you see that as a problem.
1: Operational cybersecurity is vested in partly in the defense, Department of Defense establishment, uh, a little bit in the intelligence community, certainly some in law enforcement, DHS, and then individual agencies also have authority over parts of their networks have networks being run at the Department of the Interior that have been the subject of lawsuits for over a decade because of the poor security present there. These different organizations are at really the same level of hierarchy in the executive branch. And so no one of them is really in total operational control over all the various issues that may be affecting government systems or government policy. And that's a problem uh, because They're not all pursuing appropriate measures. They're not all securing their systems at an appropriate level. They're not necessarily oriented towards upgrading and moving to configurations that would be better secured.
0: But does it need to be in the White House, this operation? Could some legislation give it to, say, the Department of Homeland Security?
1: There would be some difficulties in doing that, and it would seem unlikely that such legislation would pass for political reasons. You have different cabinet agencies with different areas of responsibility that are supposed to report to the president. Fundamentally the president's job to ensure that the laws of the United States are executed appropriately. So it really does roll up to that office.
0: I know at least two pieces of legislation, one by Senator Carper, and the other by Senator Rockefeller, aimed at boosting cybersecurity in government, and originally they were talking about having sort of an Office of Cyberspace in the White House. Uh, Have you seen those bills, and what's your assessment of
1: those measures? I think that the legislation has some very interesting elements in it, but also some elements that are problematic. For example, bill by Senators Rockefeller and Snow would give authority to the person in this office to... Uh, shut off networks in case of some undefined circumstances. I don't think that's a particularly good thing to put in such a position. Uh, particularly given most of our networks are owned and, and run in the private sector. But it also would suggest that if you have that kind of control available, that there's a mechanism in place that possibly could go wrong or that someone else could trip, causing catastrophic things to happen. There's also a provision to require licensing or professional certification of anyone who would be operating in a cybersecurity role This is also problematic because we don't have anywhere near enough people who are certified or could be certified. And we don't even really have the field well enough defined to state what kinds of certification we would really see a value. Some of the certifications that are out there now that are offered by organizations based on completion of short training classes aren't really worth a lot and wouldn't really help the situation that the bills are intended to address.
0: What would the solution be, then, to get the adequate number of people to support uh, cybersecurity in government?
1: Well, there's no single answer to that as, as well. There are some efforts underway that have been successful. The Scholarship for Service Program, for instance, somewhat popularly known as the Cyber CyberCorps, uh, has been in operation for seven years and has uh, produced nearly 800 people who've gone to work in government positions. And they've gone through educational programs designed to ensure that they have a broad knowledge and a deep knowledge of issues of security. That kind of program could be very valuable. The difficulty it has is getting enough intake of enough students, because interest in computing majors by students has been going down in recent years. It's also the case that we don't have the capacity in colleges and universities to teach because there aren't that many people there, and there's very little support for the efforts that are are there to develop curriculum or develop new faculty. So that could be a component. We have people in industry, certainly, who could get additional education and additional training that could bring them up to speed, but we would have to identify what would be needed, who would pay for it, how they would get into it because if they're going to go in for, say, 6 months of training, they have to have a salary while they're, they're doing that. So there are a number of issues involved here that would have to be addressed, and no single one of them will solve the problem, but all of them together could make a, a significant inroads.
0: Listening to you, I feel c- kind of pessimistic about being able to secure the government uh, IT infrastructure.
1: I'm not completely pessimistic about it. I do have some optimism. I think the attention being paid by all the various authorities is a good thing. The problem is that we have let this problem go for many, many years, continuing to say, well, we'll do enough to get by, we'll fix the immediate problems, and we'll see if a solution doesn't come along. And a solution hasn't come along, but the problem has gotten worse. People are effectively saying, well, what's the minimum amount that we can spend to get by?" Or what's the least amount of disturbance of the system we can cause to fix the pressing problems? And unfortunately, that is really the strategy that's been carried out for the last few decades. If we continue down that path, things will continue to get worse, and they will be even more expensive to fix down the line. The difficulty with security, as I'm sure your listeners understand, is that we have to invest an appropriate amount now to prevent the potential for catastrophic loss in the future. And it's very difficult to justify that investment currently when those bad things don't happen, or we can't be sure that they're going to happen. So the question is, how much do we spend now to prevent those long-term problems? The difficulty has always been that nationally, we have so many different things vying for attention and for resources that it's always been an underinvestment. And will probably continue to be so.
0: Is there some way you could quantify some kind of investment that we should be making?
1: I've been asked that many times, and I wish I could. I was part of the President's Information Technology Advisory Committee in 2005. We issued a report, simply the long-term research aspects of cybersecurity, what what the country really should be investing in the long-term on speculative risky research that would be to enable us to deploy the systems after next, because really, the only places that view is being taken is, is through the universities and through some of the research labs around the country. Our assessment, when we looked at it, is that in general cyber research, the government at that time was underinvesting by a factor of at least three. At least three times as much money could be usefully spent. Possibly five to six times as much would be appropriate, and when we looked at the money being spent in law enforcement tools we couldn't really even estimate there we were just aghast because at that time uh, total federal investment in law enforcement technology for cybercrime was about 10 million dollars a year nationally which was just a pittance it, it doesn't even register on the federal budget since that time we have seen increases in the amount spent but those increases have been roughly proportional to the increases in other areas and to the increase in inflation. Perhaps the question we all should be asking is, what do we do to ensure that the problems aren't just covered over, or that a minimal amount is spent, and then we move on to the next issue? The way we do that is we have to be certain that our leadership in Congress and in the executive branch, and at the state levels as well, understand that issues of cyber security information protection and privacy are problems that aren't going to go away they're not problems that you can solve once and that's it it's an ongoing process similar to having a cop on the beat or a patrol off the shores that we must keep vigilant we must continue to look for new technology and new training there has to be a steady investment and it can't simply be to respond to the current problems but we also have to be thinking in the longer term about how do we prevent problems from being built into the next generation of systems and equipment and and personnel that we deploy. One other comment uh, is we don't have good metrics, unfortunately, in this field to know how much to invest. And it is definitely true that some of the things that we need to do, to change the paradigm, to change how we have been treating security could be expensive initially. But like many other expenses that save money in the long run, that initial increase in expense will eventually decrease well past the current point, and we will save money in the long run. The difficulty is convincing people that the the initial investment is worthwhile. That's going to be an ongoing challenge here because we are dealing with events and futures that are difficult to predict. But if we look at the current cost of information security problems, the amount that we lose to malware, viruses, worms, phishing, spyware, botnets, the amount we spend on patches on systems to try to protect against those, the amount we spend on awareness and training, the amount that we lose from theft of intellectual property, loss of national defense information, denial of service attacks, We're looking at costs that really run into the billions of dollars, if not tens of billions of dollars, or maybe more. We don't see that as an upfront cost because it's spread out, but it's increasing every year. That is an investment, that if we looked at that, if we said, if only we can grit our teeth and invest in a change in some critical things, those numbers should go down some and save us in the longer run. That's what we really should be looking at, rather than individual systems and how much it would cost over the next six months. Well, thank
0: you for chatting.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me to talk with you.
0: That's information security expert Gene Spafford of Purdue University. For the Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chavro. Thanks for listening.